Also, we'll be looking in God's Word this evening in various places, but reading those verses from Romans 3 and Ephesians 2 as we consider what God has done in Christ Jesus. Romans 3 and Ephesians chapter 2, page 941 and page 976. We've come to the end of the Catechism's treatment on the Apostles' Creed. We've looked at those articles over successive Sunday evenings. The question that follows in the Catechism then is, how does it help you to believe all this? How often do we measure something, how do we often measure something as to whether it helps us? Well, there's usually outward markers, aren't there? Things that we measure the success of or the helpfulness of a particular plan or whatever that we use in our lives. Usually there's something visible. So when the question is asked about belief, maybe you think to yourself, well, what do I, what do I think about belief? What do I think about faith? And tonight, the writers of the Catechism highlight just how great a gift faith is as we look together in the Word, as we look at Lord's Day 23. It is by faith that we are united to Christ and we have such encouragement as we're going to see. We trust as God guides us. How does it help you to believe this? This is the bookend of the section on the Apostles' Creed. You remember question answer 22. Question 22 of the Catechism asks, what must a Christian believe? So there's a necessity of belief that we are those who must believe. That is what the Scripture says. If we're going to be delivered from death, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, now we come to this other end of this consideration. How does it help you to believe all this? Look at question and answer 59. But how does it help you now that you believe all this, that you trust all this? The answer, that I am righteous in Christ before God and an heir to life everlasting. The importance of this belief is that it opens the door to a right relationship with God and to everlasting life. There's nothing else that does that. There is no plan, there is no no teaching in the world that offers such a glorious answer that by believing all this, I am righteous in Christ before God and am an heir to life everlasting. Catechism goes on to explain that first part, I'm righteous in Christ. We saw last week the the article concerning life everlasting. The writers of the catechism don't really elaborate on that in this next Lord's Day, but this matter of faith and how it makes us right with God. There's no more profitable exercise than to examine the truths of God's Word and to believe them. Faith is that instrument by which we take hold of Christ that we might know in Him the comfort of right standing before God. Mighty words as we consider the future that we face. The culture wants us to to focus on our outward appearance, our income, our uh, satisfaction with the present government or some such thing. But this age is merely a prelude to the eternal existence to come. This is but a few short years 
in our existence. The scriptures make that very clear. There is eternity set before us. Where will we live? Where will we exist for eternity? In heaven or in hell? Before the Lord in His favor through Jesus Christ or apart from Him in eternal condemnation? These are no small matters. There are many today pursuing ways in which we can best describe as trying to cheat death or to live forever. Experiments of melding man and machine. There are experiments with genetics trying to root out weak genes to somehow make us live longer. Science is held up as our hope to live forever. What's missing from many minds is the cause of death, which is sin. And that cannot be cured by science. Death is the curse of sin that hangs over all people, for all have sinned. Paul's just said that here in Romans chapter 3, for all sin have fallen short of the glory of God. And, and he explains how that is in verses 9 through 20 and how the law makes us aware of our sin. It can't save us. It makes us aware of our sin. Deliverance can only come to those through the one who is greater than death, namely God. And deliverance can only come to those whose sins have been removed and who've been reckoned righteous before God. No one can live in the presence of God apart from Christ. The only way we can come to Christ is by putting our full trust in Him. Listen to what Paul says there as we look now. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. This is the Word of God. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. What is Paul saying there? Paul's saying that the law and the prophets revealed in the Old Testament that we cannot come to God unless we are pure. That's the the point of all of those sacrifices. That's the point of the the, the testimony of the prophets as we listen to the Old Testament. There's not two ways of being saved. It was revealing to us a need to be purified, pointing forward to that uh, teaching on perfection Verse 22, then Paul goes on, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe has been manifested to us, has been revealed to us. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just, punishing sin, and the justifier, granting forgiveness of the one who has faith in Jesus. Paul says under inspiration of the Spirit led by God that we must believe there is a great help and benefit in faith. Then he speaks further in Ephesians. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. He writes to the Christians uh, in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 9. He says this. After speaking of us being born or dead in trespasses and sins, verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. This is God's gift to lost sinners. A connection to the righteous one, even the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith. When we think of how much time we spend on all of those matters that the world tells us is important, all the money and all the time, if I could give you the statistics today on beauty aids and weight loss programs and exercise and all this, you'd say, man, we'd seem to be pretty fixated on the outward and on the appearance And yet, in the Word of God, as we look, as we're going to do tonight, we're looking at what the Bible says is so very important. It says, look at the value of faith. Look at the value of knowing Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. I want us to think about that as we read responsively question answer 60. I'm going to read question 60 if you still have your hymnals out. We're not done with the Lord's Day. Don't put your hymnals away. I'm going to read question 60 and ask you to read the answer as we look together. Question 60, how are you righteous before God? We read the answer together. Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments, of never having kept any of them, and of still being inclined toward all evil... Nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, and as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me, if only I accept this gift with a believing heart." We'll come back to question and answer 61 a bit later. Let's focus now for a bit of time on this matter of what it means to be reckoned righteous by faith. Beloved in the Lord, this is the heart of our eternal existence, that we have a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Every person will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All dictators and day laborers, all billionaires and all the impoverished will stand before Christ. Zacharias or Sinus wrote of this Lord's Day as he was uh, pinning the commentary on the catechism which he authored along with Olivianus. The doctrine of justification is one of the chief articles of our faith. Not only because it treats of those things which are fundamental, but also because it is most frequently called into question by heretics. What is it that makes us right before God? There are so many, so many uh, uh, interactions throughout history that we could see of the going back and forth of how one is saved. All of the battles over how one is saved. Here we make, it is made very clear what the Scriptures teach. That is, it is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is to be the church's message to the world, to call the world to faith in Christ. How can sinners be right before a holy God? 
We must behold the truth of God and trust in what He says and what He does. That word behold matters. I was thinking about that as I was looking at this Lord's Day. How often in the Scriptures we hear that word behold. Look into, examine, consider. And I want to use that tonight as we think upon God's emphasis throughout the Scriptures as it pertains to our relationship to Him. Think about that with me for a bit. When the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds in Luke 2, he said, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Behold what I have done. Look into what I've done. Good news for the nations. That word's left out of many of our modern translations today seen as something unnecessary, not not needed, but it is necessary. We must look into the Word. We must examine what it says and then trust in God's testimony, looking into His plan for the world, that plan of redemption. Peter writes that it is something that the angels long to look into. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, beholding what God has done in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith beholds, our faith looks into that which God has done, the provision that He has given. What is it that we will delight on in heaven? It will be to behold our Savior face to face, to remember, to consider over and over what He has done to deliver us from our sin. That ought to delight our hearts, and that ought to instruct us now. Faith is so very important. What do we spend our time on? That's a question we need to continually ask ourselves and then, and then correct it in keeping with what the Scripture teaches. What help is faith? And the Bible says it's, it's eternal in its help, eternal in its significance, for it points us to the way that we are made right with God. Listen to those words. I'm just going to look at some passages. I'm just going to read some passages so we think about how God wants us to focus on certain aspects of His work. First, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, from the very beginning, God uh, declares, He calls us to behold how He has provided for our first parents. He says, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for, for food. He says, Behold, I've provided for you. Behold, consider what I have done. And he says, behold, all that I have done is very good. Verse 31 again, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Faith considers, faith beholds what he has done and reckons it very good even as God declares it. But then he goes on to note, he says, behold what man has done. Genesis chapter 6, verse 12 and 13 He says, behold what has happened. Consider what has occurred. Genesis 6, verses 12 and 13. 
God saw the earth and behold, take note, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The Lord says, behold what has happened, and behold what is the result. There is a coming judgment. And yet then he goes on to speak of his means of deliverance. Through that man, Noah, and his family, a picture of the coming greater Noah, even Jesus Christ. Behold, he has us declare, or to to examine rather, God's plan to renew and restore the earth. And he says then in Isaiah 42 that we are to behold the servant, behold his servant who is coming. I want to just Read that as we think of what our faith is to consider, what our faith is to take hold of. Isaiah 42 and verse 1, he says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Behold what the Lord has done. The word behold, I could read many more. It's used 960 times in the Old Testament. And it's used 148 times in the New Testament. That mystery has been revealed. That which was a mystery has been revealed. That God has provided a means of salvation in His Son. And He wants us to note that. And to believe in Him. It's the message of the Bible. And the Catechism lays it out very helpfully for us. Again, answer 60. It says that we are right with God only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments, of never having kept any of them, and of still being inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, Without any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, and as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. If only I accept this gift with a believing heart. He is satisfied for all righteousness and offered himself as sacrifice for sin. He's absorbed God's wrath against our sin. And set life before us. He says, behold, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yet he who believes in me shall never die, but live forever. He has reconciled us to God. He has paid the price to cover over the guilt of our sin. Setting us free from bondage to sin. Delivered over to death for our sins. Raised to life for our justification. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 4. Consider. He says this. The Lord Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That we might be reckoned righteous before God. Though we were deserving of condemnation. Backing up then to, into those verses we read, Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward 
as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. We trust that God has provided in Christ a perfect sacrifice for all our sins. And it has benefit. It has help for eternity. It is a strong foundation upon which we can rest. Let's consider that secondly as we look at beholding faith's prophet tonight. Again, question 59. How does it help you to know, uh, to believe all of this? Christ is revealed to be the believer's the believing sinner's righteousness before God. By faith, we are united to Christ and reckoned righteous. How very important it is for us parents to instruct our children in that. That they would look to Christ. That even as we set example, we confess our sins when we fail, when we, when we sin, and we say we are forgiven in Christ Jesus. That, that they learn that too. That their life might be a life of repentance and faith believing in Jesus Christ that though their sin is ever before them, as we read in the answer there of the catechism, though they've grievously sinned against God, their conscience accusing them, yet they can be confident that the perfect righteousness and holiness, satisfaction of Christ has been reckoned to them. Consider the benefits, some of the benefits that come from faith in Christ. First, the removal of fear. That's the challenge to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Consider, trust, and be not afraid. Encounter with God, you remember, had been forbidden. Remember what we learned as we look at the Scriptures, as we consider them. Don't come near the mountain. Don't enter the Holy of Holies. You may not see the face of God and live. But now, in Christ, we behold God's glory and the way to be delivered from all fear. It's great to be delivered from fear, isn't it? When we're young, perhaps we have those fears of the dark, fears of, of certain uh, creatures, or perhaps we have fear of the police or doctors or dentists, maybe. Maybe some of us still have those fears. But it's wonderful to be delivered from our fears, to have those fears removed. God wants our fears removed from coming to Him. The, the, the devil will either use one of, of two, two approaches in living. He will say either, it doesn't matter how you live, don't worry about God's justice, or he will say, you may not go to God. He will only seek to destroy you. And yet he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from your fears. Provision of righteousness that you might come confidently to that throne of grace knowing that you have a high priest who has interceded for you. He reckons us righteous in Christ and he is then approached as Father. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, our relationship to God is seen in a wondrous light. He's seen as a gift giver. He is a giver of every good and perfect gift, James 1.17 tells us. He becomes a provider for us. He knows what we need before we ask, and yet He calls us to come to Him, for He alone can provide what we need. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, He becomes rewarder to those who seek Him. Matthew 6, verse 6, He's forgiver as a father. He is a father to us, the one who works in us by His Spirit that we might cry out to Him, Abba, Father. 
Faith is of great benefit, for by faith we take hold of Christ and God receives us in love. Second, removal of weakness. We think back, I was thinking back on the life of Elijah and his journey of faith with God. First Kings chapter 19. Remember how Elijah stood strong before the prophets of Baal? As he's standing there in the strength of the Lord, he, he is confident. But shortly after that, Jezebel threatens his life. And what does he do? He flees from the presence of Jezebel, for she threatens to kill him. And Elijah is discouraged, and as he, he travels for some time, a test of faith comes to him on his journey. The Lord asks him what he's doing as he's fleeing from Israel, and he cries out in weariness. And the Lord strengthens him to journey 40 days and 40 nights. As he travels, he comes to Mount Horeb, the mountain of the Lord, where God revealed himself to Israel so long ago. And where he was about to reveal himself to Elijah once more. And he speaks to Elijah. And we'll see what he says there. Verse 8. As Elijah seeks to come through this test. Elijah comes before the Lord. And the Lord strengthens him in his provision. For that 40 day and 40 night journey. He travels there. And he comes to the place of the Lord. And the Lord reminds him that he is God over all, not just in Israel, but over all. We see in this journey is some symbolism too of the wilderness wandering. It teaches us that God gives us strength to make our way through. Earlier, God had said to his people, man does not live on bread alone, Deuteronomy chapter 8, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Elijah had to learn this more deeply. And as the Lord met him there, a wind tore the mountains apart. Then an earthquake occurred. God was in neither of those. Then a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Then came a still, small voice, and God spoke to Elijah and sent him on his way, strengthened for his journey. When you see the fury of the world, when you see the challenges all around you. You must not forget the Word of God to you that you belong to Him. That you are His. Remember how Christ was tested 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Again, a picture of Israel and their 40-year wandering. He, the one who would provide for Israel, responded to the devil's tempting. Man lives by the Word of God alone. He passed the test, and at the end of his testing, he was strengthened. At the end of his life, however, he was alone and bore the judgment of your sin and mine there upon the cross. No voice of affirmation. In the darkness of that place, Jesus endured the agony of hell, fulfilling all righteousness, all righteous judgment against our sin, becoming weak unto death that we might become strong in Him. As we turn from our spiritual deadness to the spiritual life that is found in Him, faith believes that what Jesus did on the cross brings us strength. Strength to the weak and hope for each day unto eternity. Removal of weakness. Removal then thirdly of barrenness. Faith believes that fruitfulness can come where previously there was only barrenness. 
God promised life to Abram. Abram had difficulty understanding how that was going to be. His wife was barren. She had no children. And God yet promised that he would provide a son. Abram, in faith, believed that God could provide and that God would give him hope and a future. And indeed, he did. He believed the Lord. It was credited to him as righteousness. We see that as a a verse cross-reference there in Lord's Day 23. And I want to just read that. Romans 4, verses 3 through 5. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. He was reckoned righteous by his faith, believing that God would provide, having hope for everlasting life. Faith beholds the word of God, takes hold of the word of God, the promise of life to those who believe in Jesus. And God produces fruit. He produces fruit in us. There's removal of barrenness. Fourthly, there's removal of uncertainty. Question and answer 61. Question and answer 61 says, or asks the question, what do we make of this? Question 61, why do you say that by faith alone you are right with God? The answer, using a bit different translation here, it is not because of any value my faith has that God is pleased with me. It's not that our faith merits anything or that makes us righteous because of the goodness in us of that act. Only Christ's satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness make me right with God, and I can receive this righteousness and make it mine in no other way than by faith alone. The focus is on believing in Jesus Christ, He being our solid foundation. He is wisdom from God. Righteousness, holiness, and redemption, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Faith takes hold of God's promise, which is that all our sins have been covered by Christ. There's no uncertainty about whether or not the verdict of not guilty will change, for it is not the strength of our faith which wavers, but the state of righteousness that is ours in Christ. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, if anyone is in Christ, there is no condemnation. We are declared righteous in Him. Is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? He says later in that same chapter, for God justifies the sinner by faith in Christ. And we also see that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ replaces silence with song. Listen to several of those wondrous introductions that Paul gives. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I just read in Romans 3 that we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ by faith. Peter says it as well, 1 Peter 1 verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Paul once more, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. How does it help you to believe all of this, to have faith? That is a very helpful question, and it reminds us that the inner life 
of the child of God is also of great value and is to be nurtured. We are those who look to the Word. Remember that by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are reckoned righteous before God. Faith brings joy and peace and power or reminds us of Christ's satisfaction, of His righteousness and holiness being imputed to us. It is God's ordained instrument to bring us to Christ. Not a tool to get God to do something for us, God has provided marvelously for us. That is what we believe. John says it this way, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. To all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. What greater point can there be to put forward than these to call us to faith? May God help us see that value and work and strive to hold on to those promises. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we hear that question of what help is it to believe all of this, then we see we're right with you, reckoned righteous only by faith, only by true faith in your Son. We begin to see how it removes weakness, removes fear, removes barrenness, removes uncertainty, and replaces silence with song. May that be the fruit of our faith in your Son and our confidence in your promises that we might walk in newness of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 480 in our hymnals, that matter of comfort, of course, question and answer one of the catechism being something of the inspiration, if you will, the background of this hymn, I have no other comfort, I have no other plea, as we sang, but I have no other comfort which life and death endures than that I am my Savior's, whose death my life secures. To you with soul and body, O Jesus, I belong. You are my only Master and my Redeemer strong. We're going to stand to sing those four stanzas, number 480.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of faith which comes from hearing the Word of God. We pray that as the Word has gone forth today in so many places, that there may have been many who have come to believe in your Son. As we give offering for Messiah's Reformed Fellowship in New York City, Reverend Murphy and Reverend Ragusa, we ask, O oh Lord, for your blessing upon their families and upon their labors as they bring the word to that city. Lord, may you have mercy on those nations that are gathered there, that many would hear the word and come to believe. As we give our gifts, may you use them to the furtherance of that ministry, to the building up of that ministry, to the provision that is needed that the word might go forth in power by your spirit in keeping with your promise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we confess our faith together using the words of the Nicene Creed found in the back of the hymnal, page 852 is the version that we use. We have seen how faith is of help to us. We answer that question now. Christian, what is it that you believe with these words? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God for all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered burial. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, 
whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. People of God, receive this parting blessing. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.